myself to the stream there. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It is our... It is our 200th episode this week. So, um, I am... Gonna aggravate my wife right now. Mm-hmm. I already know it. I already know what you're about to do. I want to... So... I'll say this. I'm going to say this on the front end. We're not good at giveaways. <laughs> no, we're really awful at I'm really, like, I really try, and then it falls by the least. I have people picked out, so the the book, I gave this no, book away. No, it's really me. I'm a terrible mailer-outer of things. Uh, we've had a gift from Aisha for about a month. I know. Aisha, I swear. I, I actually, I'm going to mail I, it tomorrow, I swear. I actually bought another I thought, thing. No, now we added something else to it. We thought of two things for you. <laughs> gave away this book um, from my friend Darius Daniels, um, and I have two people picked out. I just haven't messaged them yet. So I'm going to continue on with that because I'm going to say, um, you adding something else in the mix? I am. It's the 200th episode. It is. I am going to make a, I'm going to make a post. Here's how we're going to do this. How, let me, let me think of how to do this. Right. I want to give some stuff away though. You want to um, think of this maybe while someone, I'm running a show. That's the best way to give something away. Let's, let's put it to the people in the, <laughs> The, oh my gosh, the this, this is a sheer and example of we do so many things. Let me tell you why, run. right, real quick before that. Oftentimes, I'm just going to, and this isn't like a narcissistic thing, but this is where this comes from. Because so many times people give stuff away to build their audience, to build their channel. I'm not, I mean, that's, look, if that works, I mean, no, whatever. No, I just but, think like it's a method, it's a tactic, and it does work. And a lot of people do it, especially for like bigger places. But yeah. I just, that's, I always... I don't know kind of who does those things. I would never do those things because to me, it's just like not worth my time that it takes yeah. to do those. Like they make you jump through so many hoops. And that's what I don't want to do here. I just no. want to give stuff away because we love to bless people. That's it. Um, it's like it's literally it's sprinkled yeah. magic. Yep. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to come up with a way by the end of this show. I have I already have in mind like what I want to give away. And um, so we're going to do that. Um, but real quick, let me let, let me talk about this while we're waiting for questions, because we just had a really great brunch with a buddy of mine, Adam Welcome. Adam Welcome wrote a book called Kids Deserve It. He, he co-authored that uh, with Todd Nessaloni. He also wrote like Run Like a Pirate, uh, Teachers Deserve It. There's He has like five books out there in the world. And so he is from San Francisco. He was doing a speaking engagement here in uh, near Philly. So we we did brunch together today. And... You, as soon as I sit down with Adam, it, it is such, and today was one of those moments. It's such a good reminder of this idea that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And let me talk about why that, why that's important. Ed Milet, who's a really great podcast I'd encourage anybody to go listen to. Um, Ed Milet has this idea where everybody has a thermostat. And so if your thermostat is set at a nice, comfortable, let's say 72 degrees, right? Um, so you're at 72 degrees and you are, you're just, that's where you, that's where you roll. But if you hang out with some folks that are 90 degrees, they're, they're operating on like 90, 95 degrees. When you hang out with them, your temperature automatically rises. Now that temperature might go up significantly. Now, is it going to go to, and stay at 95 degrees? No. But is it going to go back to 72 degrees? Probably not. So when I'm thinking about being around other people that are operating on such a high level that are doing really great things that are, you know, blessing people and loving people and they, their values are aligned with mine, but they're just they're living life on like this, this third level. I, 
that to me is contagious. And then you start talking about ideas and possibilities and what we could be doing and and in like a positive way, not in a way that's like we're not doing enough and we could be doing more. It's like it's like we could be doing more. We could be blessing more people. We could be a more positive force in the world. And man, that stuff, it just right. Like we walked out of the meeting and I was like, oh, I can't yeah. wait for the car ride home because we're just going to talk about a hundred yeah. cool things. So Look, if you've not checked out Adam, he has stuff that is um, is really, really incredible. Um, and like he's from his books to his speaking books. engagements to whatever, like he's just does really good work in the name of education with kids in mind. And so um, this is my my plug for Adam. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready to jump into some I like questions? that I have a silent fidget this week. So I I bought this at five below. Here's my ADD. Um I don't, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with these folks. Five below, man. They have these little squeezy balls. They change color when you squeeze them. It's been great. We have a lot, we have a lot of oh, different fidgets. Drop and... it. And my dog always thinks it's a toy for him. That's we have a lot problem. of different fidgets in our house and test out of different fidgets because everybody from me to you to Birdie we're and Marley. We're house. We yeah. are. Okay, let's, let's jump into it. some questions. Miss L is asking, um, how do you make peace with a school year ending for 12th grade students in my country who start writing exams and feeling like it never went smoothly? It's a two-parter. Oh, here's the next one. Um, or wrapped up in a warm, fuzzy way, though I gave it my all in all. I think sometimes folks need to know what you gave. Um, that it is oftentimes, I'll, I'll say this. There were years ago uh, when I just started teaching and I was working a lot. And my wife was concerned that we weren't spending enough time together. And I had a much different view. So what we started doing was when we hung out in a very non-pushy way, like I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to be a jerk here. I would just gently remind my wife, like, hey, look, we're hanging out. Hey, look, we're spending time together. Hey, look, we're doing something together. Because so often in our minds, we can start telling ourselves a narrative. And so it's important to speak back against this. So with my students, um, when the end of the year comes and you're just fried and, and you feel like you had a good run, but like maybe you want to send them off on the right foot or you want to make sure that you do like um you, you're like sealing the envelope it's can you look back on your year and do like a brief slideshow of like hey these were all the moments here's memorable stuff that happened this year here's the funny stuff the great stuff the parts where people didn't like they 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 grew and they can't they were doing more than they thought they could here's something that happened that was unexpected here's um a, a an un, um, an unknown star of the class, someone who kind of like like rode below the radar, but like they were really brought something to the class every day. I used to do um, awards every year where I would just and someone bested me on this, and I'm going to forget her name. Um, but I used to just spray paint random stuff gold, right, and then I would give it away as awards. They were little trophies, and so go to the dollar store. I'd get dinosaurs and. Pla all kinds of weird plastic crap. And then I would spray paint it gold and I would give it away. And they were awards though. That, so I would say like, hey, here's a person that, um, you know, you could always count on if you needed help. This is a person that could always deliver stuff if you needed it. Here's a person that you knew was going to be late to class every single day. So we had the, where are they prize or whatever. Like it was stuff like that. And then what we would do is what are you doing? Are you looking for a trophy? I'm sorry. There's I was so really much trying emotion to be sneaky over there. and I failed. You're doing a terrible job I at know. it. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Keep going. Don't so mind me. It is 
in those moments, you're doing a couple of things. You're pouring it back into kids and you are shining a light on those moments that happened this year and the ways in which you saw kids grow and change and develop. And that can be a really fun way to do it this year. All right. I'm really sorry for the distraction. I don't know where my phone is per usual and I need it to do this. So instead of looking for mine, I just grabbed yours. Why don't you give me the next question and then um, go find your phone. Yeah, I tried. It's not readily available. It's okay. okay. Um, All right. Kevin is up next. Currently in grad school for clinical mental health and school counseling, looking for any tips or advice you have for counselors. Kevin, I, you know, I think the main issue that um, I have in school with with counselors at our school, like I've worked with some really, really great people, um, but they uh, counselors are often I think the reason they are in many times really ineffective in, in school setting anyway, is that they're only there for crises. And so when something happens, when we'd have a shooting or somebody was really going through it um, or there was like after a fight had happened, it was we pull someone in that the kids don't want to talk to and they don't want to talk to you because they don't know you. And so many times teaching is about it's about connecting with someone that is um that you trust. And so for me, I always thought like, man, like what a great job it would be to be a counselor. But if I was a counselor, I would be talking to kids, building relationships, talking to parents, talking to faculty, being just a presence before something goes down. And I can tell you on many, many occasions that we would have like one of the young people from our school was was killed. There's a lot of gun violence in West Philadelphia. If someone was killed, the students often gravitated towards the teachers that they trusted and not towards the counseling room, that the counseling room, even if they hired some sort of outside counseling uh, organization, those rooms were just empty because kids didn't want to go there because they don't know those folks. They don't trust them. So that would be my advice is to like wherever it is that you end up working, how can you make public connections? Just being in the hallway, just talking to folks, just being a person that's that's real and then when something happens, when someone needs you, you're not such a far stretch of someone to think to go to. You are, oh, yeah, of course I would go uh, to Kevin because he's like he's always there. He's always so kind and trusting and loving and helpful in in a hundred other little ways. And so that's that's how I would go with that. One of the great things I would just want to shout out our um, daughters, our local public school. Yeah. One of the things that they're doing this year is they have a counselor on each grade level floor. So they're like the top floor is like eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade or something like that. I don't know how they're split. I forget. But um, there's a counselor on each floor and they're there a part of the regular everyday daily activity in the building. And there's multiple of them. And I thought that was such a great idea and move by the district to bring in because then they're building that relationship. They can be there for when, you know, the stuff hits the fan that they're already source. And they've already been a source for our daughter with like dealing with anxiety and uh, like her own personal stress, they've been a really great and, resource. And they're for actually her. present, right? From mm-hmm. from asking our daughter, they're actually present. And because I know that this can be a ploy sometimes of like the principal's out in the hallway and they're standing there, or they have a like I don't use my office. I'm on I'm on a stand up desk yeah, yeah. in the hallway all the time. But the fact that they did it on every floor yeah. for every each grade has their own counseling yeah. like that is that was so awesome. it's but it's it is and they're really being yeah. about the work. They're not. Yeah. It's not just a 
deploy looks good and we tell parents. But no, it's been and really that's so great. important as well. Um, okay, our next question is coming from Ryan asking, how do you approach topics of race with students that are different race than you? All right. So this, Ryan, this is a great question. It goes right back to what I was saying before. When, especially when like Black Lives Matter was popping off and there were like things happening in Philadelphia and there were marches and riots and all the other kind of stuff um, that was happening in that moment. I got a lot of emails, DMs from folks that were asking, how are you and are you talking to your students about this? And my answer is, of course, I'm talking to my students about this um, because we've already been talking about this stuff. So you're constantly talking about the thing that's happening. And when that is when that's when you already have those connections, when you have students that are already coming up to you and saying, like, um, Reynolds, what's it like? Like, I'm curious, like when you get pulled over. Have you ever had an issue with the police? And so that leads into a conversation, right? Which is oftentimes, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I give uh, teachers all the time is that I am not um, dictating a conversation. I'm facilitating a conversation. I'm not. It's, this isn't here. This isn't a platform for me to share my thoughts and feelings on any particular issue. Um, I try to stay away from that in, in the classroom as much as possible. What it is, what it is doing for me, though, is it, it is creating um I am creating a space that's a safe space for kids to explore and express who they, what they think, what they feel um, and what they're about. Right. And so when we can do that, that is when that's already happening on a million different micro levels, then when something big comes up, whether it was me too, or the Capitol building takeover or black lives matter, or, you know, anything else that's happening, it is, something that can already be talked about. So I think it's about building those relationships that are honest and open and vulnerable. And that 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 requires us to be vulnerable on a level. So when I say I don't talk about like always my political views or religious views or something like that, um, it is I'm but I am talking about what it's like to be a dad, what it's like to have lost both of my parents when I was very young. Um, it's me opening the door to the amount which I am comfortable to share a little bit about who I am, because what that does is it allows students to know that you're a real person with thoughts and feelings and emotions and opinions. And then when something big comes up, you are a safe place. Your classroom is a safe space already. So we don't have to build that. And I will say in the last couple of years um, at my school, we were doing a program uh, around toxic masculinity, right? We were trying to like, because we're all, all, all boys school. So they were doing a lot of work um, where we sent folks out, they got trained, they came back, and then they wanted us to have these conversations with the class. And so we were trained by two faculty members. And the folks that did well in those conversations were folks that already had those relationships built. The people that struggled were folks that did not invest in relationships um, that did not know the students that were in front of them. And then it was like, how can you talk about um, things like rape culture, right? Which is the real thing that we talk about rape culture when you don't even know who you're talking to. You don't know how your students already, I already knew how my students felt about a whole bunch of stuff. We've had a, a million conversations around race. And, um, but that's because it was already there. 
All right, ready for the next one? Yes. All right, next one is coming from our friend Steph. Uh, asking a two-parter, how do I not feel guilty for taking on a few extra things to try to make extra money for my kids? Recently separated and trying to save the house. Also decided to pursue national... Sorry, it wasn't working. National board. I am also in charge of after-school study hall and two clubs. I don't want my own kids to suffer, even though my ex is more in their lives recently. So, Steph... Um, my kids, I work a lot. Um, I don't like when people use like, uh, the number of hours that they work to sort of like gloat, but I will say what, what's, what's average work day for me? I mean, I don't know. We start at like actual work or your morning routine starts at what? So remember five? what work is though for us too. like work is like. Any, what is the time that I'm away from the kids, whether it's I'm working on myself, I'm working on the business, I'm working on... Oh my gosh, like, it's anywhere from 5 a.m. to like almost 8 or 9 at yeah. night. So we're night. talking like a 14-hour day yeah. typically, right? Um, and sprinkled in there is like moments you take a fortnight break and go play with Brody or go to the gym with Brody or and so that, something with Marley. So let's talk about all that real, real quick, right? Steph, to me, it's... You know, so like not as a gloating thing, but just as a measurement, right? 14 hours a day and I sleep seven hours, six and a half, seven hours a night. Um, the So that gives me very little time with my family. What I want to make sure they understand, though, is that one, when we are hanging out, this, we're hanging out. I love hanging out with you all. And I'm just there to the best of my ability. I try not to be thinking about planning about, even when we're in the car together, like I noticed when we were going mm -hmm. yesterday out to do like some fall errands, um, I didn't want to talk about business. I would like to include the whole, the kids in the conversation. Yeah. So we're all talking. When I'm at the gym with my son, I'm talking to, I'm listening to him and my man will just talk forever for the, for his desired stops. topic. It's like a radio station. <laughs> it just never goes off. Um, so, it's being where your feet are. It's pointing out to the people that you're with when you're hanging out, how special and lovely and magical and beautiful it is and how much you love it. But then for us, it is breaking these things down to our kids. So it is explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing. And we, to a very large degree, are pretty open with our kids. And this is does not come from the way we were raised about where money is what we want to get to, why we want to get to it, where we're at right now, what this is going to enable us to be able to do. So when dad has to work, when I'm working on a big project, when I have to put extra time in and my kids are like, oh, man, dad just works all the time. It's like, but I'm going for this goal. I'm not just, I'm not just working the work, right? It is bringing your kids into the conversation of what's happening and then um, what we are trying to get to in our lives. And I think you bring them in at their level and what's yes. you know in yes. on their on their terms, you know, don't just Because what share you're not everything. trying to do, yeah, you're not you don't want to be like, hey, the house might get foreclosed on and then they're scared, right? They don't right. know what that means. But you but can it, explain that seriousness in another way that's not frightening to them as yes. well. But so Steph, you have a lot going on and a lot on your plate. I would say to reevaluate to make sure that you're doing things that are aligned with your goals. So it's like, are your career goals like is part of doing because you're in charge of like schools, after school study halls and two clubs. Now, if there are not additional income for you, is that the time do you want to be utilizing your time, you know, doing those things when you could be 
utilizing your time to make the money that you need for something else. So I just would evaluate those sort of things and look at them and like, does it align with what you want, what your goals are? Um, so, but if part of that is doing national boards and getting advancing in professionally and you need to do those things, then great. Then that aligns with what you want. But so it's just constant reevaluation. Like even for us business wise, we have to do constant reevaluation of like, yep. are we staying on target? Are we staying on goal with what we want to do and say that we're doing so. And it's cool. I mean, that's why I started saying no to stuff years ago is it was like the ROI wasn't there. Well, because you right? and it's like, no, but I it, going home and spending the time with my kids after school is what's yeah. important. And there was a season that we did all you did all the things we did all the extracurricular things. Yeah. But there are certain seasons that you just can't yeah. and you have to be honest about where you are in that season. And that's why teaching is a communal activity and you have other people who are maybe newer and can do all those things in that season. It's their turn. My cat and dog are doing something weird with the curtain. You can see it in the picture in the back. It's just like getting brighter. It's so bright. I know. All right. Let's move on to the next question is from Shana um, asking, we are having our open house this week. It is my first one. I'm I'm really nervous about unexpected questions, especially about student performance. How do I handle this? This has to be a video. All right. So we're going to pull it right from here. Shana, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. When you have an open house, a back to school night, something of that nature, I think the number one thing that you need to do is to tell parents how excited you are to be there, how stoked you are that their kid is in your class and how you love what you do. Right. If these aren't true, then you don't have to say them. But sharing your enthusiasm and your optimism around the school year and letting parents know that you are indeed there for their kids and that their child's success is your primary goal and concern in the school year is something that probably I'm going to say probably no one else. Nobody. I will say that that was one of the things when we went to back to school night for our daughter, not one teacher. It was only rules, expectations, policy, procedure, like all those things. It was so. Yeah. I like tuned out myself as yeah. the adult because it's like, yeah, it's the same. We all know the rules, the policies, the expectations. We all yeah. know those. We're all human beings and we know how to operate within this world. What I want to hear is that you are excited to be there, that you want to teach my kid, that you love education, that you love kids, that you like having fun, that you're humorous, that you like movies, something about yourself. Yeah. I literally yeah. pinpointed and pulled out. I asked a question at back to school night because someone had a Michael Phelps poster. I go, OK, who's the swimmer? Who loves swimming? Just so I could know something. Yeah. We did have one teacher that put at least their their equivalent picture. Like he put his seventh grade self. Yeah. And I was like, all right, there we go. Something I always use my personal. ninth grade ID yeah. to, for my ninth grade class. But it's like, I have a parent already know the rules and expectations. I want to know why you love being a teacher and that you want to yeah. teach my kids. Yeah, it is getting. Please. It is. I want parents to walk out of my room excited. Now, I'll tell you what. Now, when a parent comes up to you and talks to you about student performance, After you said, look, I'm so glad that you're here, right? So if we're doing one-on-ones with parents, a parent comes up and you say, I'm so glad that you're here um, because I really want your kid to find success this year. It is my primary concern. And then you ask the three questions I always tell people to ask, right? Tell me a class or a teacher that your student did well in in the past and why. Tell me a class, not a teacher. You don't want to spread gossip or, or get started on that train, Something that your student, a class that your student did not do well in and why? And what do I need to know about your kid that's not going to show up in an IEP, a 504, some sort of questionnaire for the school 
that's going to um, help me to see that your child, uh, like, like, what do I need to know about them so that I can be the best teacher I can be? Nobody asks these questions, right? By and large, no one asks these questions. It is all about, here's where your kid is, here's where their grade is, here's where their ability is, um, and here's the problem, right? What I want to hear is what's the solution? What are we working on? How are we going? How are we identifying stuff? And like, hey, I learned that Kevin has a really hard time sitting down. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because what I want to do is create a space in the class, create a scenario for him that he's going to win in class. I noticed that your daughter um, has like whatever, right? Like, and you know, can you tell me a little bit about that? Instead of like, I think teachers too oftentimes are identifying problems, just letting parents know, hey, this is a problem, right? They're late to class every single day. Um, they they've missed a lot of school. They don't ever do their homework. Hey, I'm noticing that home. The shift is I'm noticing that homework is not getting turned in regularly. I'm just curious. Um, is there something going on that I could that I could help with? Is this um, like what what is the situation? And then once you identify what the situation is, it's giving parents options on how this can get better. Just so you are aware, I'm here early every morning or I am available during this time during the school day or after school. There's a whole bunch of students that are in my room and I'm helping kids out like this is a wonderful space for your child to be able to engage and connect with other people and find some success in their academics um, and make up some of those assignments or whatever it is you want to give solutions to problems. Um, but letting them know you're doing that through the lens of I'm just here for you. Let me tell you what we can do for you, right? That's what I love to hear from teachers as a, a parent. Um, and as a teacher, it's something that I've, I, you can see the switch. You see the angry parent come in with the F and it's like, yeah, I noticed that too. How, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Let's help Michael figure out how to do the best this year. And it's just something that doesn't happen enough. Yep. All right, our next question comes from Parks Drake asking, how do you make the most out of a post-observation meeting? What are cues to ask make, to make conversations, uh, to make it a conversation rather than simply sitting and listening? Yep. So Parks, first, I, I, even if I'm not looking forward to one of these meetings, I pretend that I am, right? Because I want to be on offense and not defense. I am not going in here to be, sit in front of someone and shrink down and have them tell me all the things I didn't do right, or I'm scared that they're going to do that, I'm looking for it. I want to know the feedback so that I can get better, right? If we're looking at a, from a coach perspective, right? And I didn't grow up playing a lot of sports, but I'm just, I'm just going off of this. Um, the, co the players expect feedback from coaches at the end of the game. They just expect it is what happens. Hey, I noticed this. Um, or good, bad, or ugly, right? Or... I guess it's two bads. But anyway, um, what we're looking for is going in and saying, hey, first of all, before we even get started, thanks so much for taking the time and to come in um, to observe me. I have, I'm, I'm excited to hear about what you have to say. I'm excited to grow. And then I have a few questions for you when we're done, if that would be OK. And so when you go in, what I do before someone observes me um, is I try to send them like three things that, hey, look, if you could look at these three things, right? I've been trying to work with this student over here in the corner. They don't really engage. And I'm trying to, to build that engagement, build that trust. Um, that's one thing. I've also instituted doing the beginning of our class. We've changed this. So you're already giving them things to look at. And then you're getting, you're asking for their feedback on that. And then when 
I get things that um, I've had a number of people that are really very not very good at observing because um, they just pull out like the most asinine stuff. So I when that happens, I like to ask, hey, that's really that's interesting that you brought that up. I'm curious how you think we could do better in that area. And so I did this last year to get out of stuff. So I had um, there's a woman at my school that would come in and she was like in charge. I don't even know what she was in charge of. She was like the assistant principal kind of, but like also no one really, I don't really know what she did. Um, <laughs> so, but I know that she observed me like 13 times in the first like few months of school, like constantly and to the point where like my students. She must've like, really just thought you were so they, awesome. They, she wanted well, to I learn from the you. <laughs> um, the boys would be like, yo, Reynolds, why is she in here again? So um, observer came in to observe me. I got pulled into the office and I was told that my um, that a certain part of my lesson wasn't being done very well. And I knew that that wasn't true. But look, I'm not I'm not close to, to good feedback. I want to get better and better and better in all aspects of my life. So I just said, right, because I knew I had a feeling like I was going to call BS on this. Instead of calling BS, I said, that's really interesting that you bring that up. I'm curious, how would you do that differently to reach the objective that that you think we should reach like uh, like how how can we do this and not in like a i didn't want to sound like i was being a jerk i'm like literally curious and the answer was well i, I don't know i'm not an english teacher i'm coming in then why how can you speak again like you're going to speak against what i'm doing but you're not going to give me like you're here to help me you're here to coach me uh to mentor me but you don't have feedback that's like hey um you know, stop smoking cigarettes. This is not a good idea. Oh, that's okay. So like in your experience, what would be the best way to like get over that addiction? Well, I don't, I have no idea. I never smoked cigarettes before. What? Then what the hell are we having the conversation for? So, um, so that's just a way to kind of get around some of like the nonsense, but it is, I think a hundred percent preparing yourself to go in on offense instead of defense. Um, Cause then you're looking to grow. Then it's like, I want people to know last thing. Um, I want people to know that when they come in and observe me, I want the feedback, but be prepared to have that conversation because I, I want feedback when we're done here. So, and I've had some really, really good experiences with that as well. All right. Wendy is up next asking, do you plan digitally or on paper? And do you got some good tips on productive planning? So I, I used to plan on paper. I like writing things on paper. I have about nine here. I'm just going to pick up just, just this stack of all these. And you can't see all the ones that are there hanging are around his computer everywhere. But then I find that that doesn't help me organize. There is a value to me. And it, like, look, I mean, it, 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 there have studies been done that show like that students writing notes, handwriting notes is far more effective than digitally typing notes. Um, so I do like the writing process. It helps me just get it out of my brain, stick it somewhere. And then um, I then take it and put it into a digital format. So when I did the lesson planning workshop recently, I was talking to folks about how I use a Google spreadsheet to map out all the days that like, so if I'm doing something over five weeks, it's here's those five weeks, here's the days. I then go in and do things like, um, input any holidays. So like for this week, like my daughter had half day on Friday, they have off on Monday. Um, I would, those would all be in there so I can get a clear sense of where I'm starting from and what days I have available to me. 
and then I re- and then I figure out what do I want to cover, and then I reverse engineer that. When it's digital, I like it one because I don't have to carry paper around with me. Because what I do on my computer is there on my phone, it's there on an iPad, it's there on a laptop. I can pull it up anywhere that I need to, and then it um, I can cat I can file that away, and I can file away. I keep everything filed in Google Drive, so every time I read a book. I now take my, this is a painstaking process, but it's the level of crazy that I'm at. I take all of my notes from that book and I digitally input them into Google Docs so that I have a folder for every book that I read because I want that. Every sermon I listen to, every podcast episode I listen to, if I take notes, I take those notes and then I put them into a digital folder because I like to think I'm really organized, but I'm not. Um, Like, like, in a natural way, it is, I have to force myself to do that. So, um, so yeah, it starts like even, um, all my posted notes go into, uh, I use Trello T R E L L O and I can make different columns. It's so it's basically like, um, like boards to do doing and done. And then you can just pick that thing up and move it over and put it into a new place. And I, that's something that, um, my assistant put me on to, and it's awesome because you can share Trello with your whole team. And that's been, th- that has been a game changer for me. Yes. I don't like Trello. You don't? <laughs> no. Well, it's not that I don't like Trello. I think it's great, um, useful product. I just, for me, it doesn't work. Yeah. You're, you're 9,000 legal pads all over the. I am. <laughs> okay. Sophia is up next and asking, how do I make my band room feel whole again? I had a bunch of instruments stolen and things messed up with this week. And now my room doesn't feel the same. Oh, Sophia, that's really difficult. Um, I've had stuff stolen from me before. Little things, big things, and it all feels the same all the time. Uh, that sense that someone violated the safe space that you've tried to create. Um, For me, it was little shifts, right? So like I started putting my name on every blessed thing that I own uh, because stuff would get either stolen on purpose or stolen on accident. Um, I started putting things away. Like I started like, like I, this is why I have 9,000 hiding spots in my classroom because things walk. Uh, it's why I start locking certain things up in my classroom because things walk. And so it's um, being practical and locking some things up, but not doing it from a place of fear. It's like, no, this just makes better sense because someone's going to pick that up and walk out of my room with my stapler, my tape dispenser, my staple remover, my, um, my stool, whatever it is like, <clears throat> It's going to happen. So it is labeling all of my stuff. And then just kind of became funny where it was like Reynolds, like teachers would be like, why is your name on like everything? Like, bro, because people walk with your stuff. Like, I, I just need it. Like, and I have good stuff. I take care of my stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to get back a tape dispenser. And someone's like, this is the one. I'm like, no, no, what's this? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm half the teeth to pull the tape off. So um, it was doing some things like that. And then um, practical things because my stuff in my room would get messed up all the time. So if you look at any pictures of my classroom, all of the posters are up high. I have this idea that no school has ever taken me up on, but I think all bulletin boards in the hallway should be above backpack level, whatever that means for your school. So if you're high school, it's going to be a little higher. Um, if you are teaching uh, younger kids, it's going to be a little bit lower, but 
backpacks are the enemy of bulletin boards. Everyone <laughs> rubs against them and then they get all ripped up and torn up and look like crap. So if you can just raise them about a foot, then we're all good. And then actually everyone can see them better because they're a little bit higher. So same thing with my posters. I found that kids were like pulling the tacks out. They would just mindlessly like kind of put their hand behind it or fidget with it. So I put them all in frames and I just raised them higher. There is no artwork in my room that is below six feet. I know, it drives no. me nuts when we do classroom decor. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm always like, like, here, put this over here. It would look really great right here. And you're like, it's too low. <laughs> yeah, they will I'm like, it. okay. The chalk drawing, they will smudge it. They will rub their <clears> fingers <throat> over it. They will, whatever. And a lot of times, sometimes it's, it's intentional mindless. and sometimes, sometimes it's mindless. mindless, but it is designing your room in such a way where students aren't near the instruments. The instrument closet has a lock on it, whatever it is. It's that kind of thing. If you notice, my classroom desk has almost nothing on it. There is a lamp and I do now keep a tape dispenser and a stapler, but that's it. I don't have anything else on my desk because even when I had dividers for uh, papers, the kids always pick. They'd be standing there talking to me, picking them up and (laughs) fall over. It gets knocked off the desk. Someone knocked it in the trash can. Um, I just and then I learned that I like like this more. It gives me it's like this minimalist feel. And I, I really like that. So, yeah. So many people agree with you about backpacks and hating them. Yeah. And so funny, our local school, they don't allow kids to carry backpacks anymore. And that's a safety uh, protocol. Which I also don't agree with. Mm, but. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I guess teachers probably like it. I'd imagine. Maybe. They're a pain to step all over. seventh graders to carry all their stuff. All, I know. It's like... That's I know she's got a lot of stuff to carry. I can't even picture what she looks like. I know like she looks day. like she, she looks like she's gonna have like back issues when she's all, she comes when home, she leaves in the morning. Like, for sure. When you see like these little kids with like all the stuff in their bag and they're just like, oh, oh, I know. They have like the little lunch box in there and the drink and the water bottle. I know. And I feel bad for giving laptop. Marley a, a bento lunch box, which is a bit heavier on the heavy side. <laughs> Every day I put it in there. I'm like, oh, just, sorry. She puts it on. She just like is immediately. Like, looks like the old man from Up. <laughs> All right, let's answer another question. I'm not sure this is to you or to the group, but if let's you do can it talk anyway. to it. Um, Karen's asking, I'm struggling to get parent uh, participation communication. It's my first year in the classroom. Wondering if anyone has tried um, and has any true methods to get parent participation slash buy-in. So, you know, I think... I wonder what grade this is. Yeah. Like little ones? My guess would be, one, it's really, I'll say as a parent, um, I have wanted to participate in my kids' school days every single time that it's needed. It's just not always feasible because you're working. And so um, I know in our school, we- Fifth grade. A lot. Okay. So a lot of students at our school were um, raised by single moms or grandmoms. And so parent participation was very difficult because that meant you had to take off work. And if you're living in a single- income family, that becomes very, very difficult. You know, sort of similarly, um, getting parents to help their students stay focused, like when doing work, making sure they're doing homework, things like that. When mom's working a three to 11 shift and she's not even there, when you get home from school, it's like, well, what do we do now? Like, how do we do that? So I think that it or is dinner and dishes and bath and younger students and yeah. younger siblings. Like, but when you have students that are doing sports. all that stuff too, right? There's there's a lot more going on than we anticipate. 
So I think for me, it was sending out things like a questionnaire and email. Um, I'm curious as to like, is there like, what would you be able to help with? What do you think is a good idea? How would you like to engage in our class? Like, are there ideas you have on what we could do as a class? Um, the other thing is making some of those engagement pieces fun, right? So like when I have parents come in, when I do something with, with other like community members, it's how can I do this something, make this something that's fun. So, um, one of my favorite things was like, my kids would have like a surprise reader when they were younger. And I loved showing up for this where parents were asked to bring a book. And after the kids came in from recess that day after, so it was lunch and then recess. And then they'd come back to the classroom. They would be surprised by a reader. And so they walk in, it's like, Oh, what? It's like Emily's dad is here. And he's like reading a book to us. They loved that sort of thing. And that was really fun for parents because the cost of entry was so low um, I remember like leaving, I'd be like on my lunch break and run to my son's school and like do a reading and then just dip after Did you do that for right? fifth grade. I wonder if, if parents feel like at fifth grade, their participation level can wane finally because you schools are looking for like some independence at fifth grade. We're yeah. really trying to like encourage independence. So I wonder. And so my a little bit more digging on this question would yeah. be like what kind of community you want participation like in the classroom like you're talking about or are yeah. you looking for just participation and like getting things done that need to be returned to school and yeah. like that communication because a lot of people said in the comments seesaw class tag and reminder all great Re apps i like remind for our parent communication kids school uses remind and i really like anything it. anything that you can get to people's cell phones is the way to yeah, go because it shows and up as a push notification yeah. like almost like it a just makes it easier for parents to yeah. Participate because it is hard when they have so many things on their plates yeah. after school as well. An email, I'm not going to look at an no. email as fast. Even I'm if I get the push working. notification on my phone, I'm still not going to look on it. But like a an app, yeah. yeah, I probably would. I think if you need help in the classroom, um, and maybe this isn't your question, but this might help someone else out. I think something to really consider is reaching out to a local college and their education department and seeing if they have kids that want to volunteer. You know, we're going to do a project next week, and I I know that St. Joseph's University here in Philadelphia uh, used to send students to observe my class all the time. And I would give them real work to do. Like you're going to grade papers, you're going to organize stuff. And they love all that mundane stuff. This is like what they dream of doing. They can't wait to become a teacher. So to bring <laughs> them in and be like, oh, all right, we're reading today. Can you work with this small group over here? And I just need you to read with them and then just facilitate the circle, make sure that they're getting the work done. They loved it. I have kids coming back like months, if not years after they were in my classroom. Like they would just keep showing up for the rest of the year, like taking public transportation sometimes to get to my school um, because you're creating that opportunity. So I think that's a piece or reaching out to an, other community members, like br finding folks that live in your community that are business owners that can come in and talk about business someone that like you're working on science and you find someone in your neighborhood that's a scientist and you bring them into your school so mm. making those community partnerships can can help as well so she just to uh further the comment yeah. on this she said um so she said mostly i just want parents to respond we have class tag and very few parents even respond we have conferences coming in a week and i've gotten a third of my parents to to respond um, and to see what kind of fun stuff I can get together for parent family engagement. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it's I um, really wonder if parents kind of like back up a little bit because it's fifth grade or they feel we like see they that don't in need. our school. 
We see it like ninth grade always has a huge I'm turnout. Saying another jump of like 10th, 11th grade, not so much. 12th grade has another big bump because it's the final year. Um, and it is, I think if I, if it, that was me, I would send short, the shortest email humanly possible to send parents. Um, and you know, maybe you send like a survey, like, can you show up? Can you not show up yeah. if something better would work? Like maybe our model doesn't work for you. What would work to help you to, to be, try and get some feedback? Can we to, do a Zoom? Yeah. Can I jump on a phone call with you? And so I noticed that when we started doing digital conferences, um, that was that made it different for people because I'd have moms that were working a 12 hour shift as a nurse oh, yeah. that could take a break and call you in and then you were good. All right, let's move on. Um, Trish is up next asking, do you think students in ELA no longer need to take pen, pencil to paper? At my school, we are we are prioritizing having students only working on their Chromebooks. Um, let's see, she's got another one. This is a good question. Um, however, I think for information processing, actual writing on paper is essential. Mm -hmm. I think draft writing and revision should be done on Chromebook. Pre-writing should be paper and pen. I'll say real fast, our yes. local school went completely paperless. Like right before we left for homeschooling, I think we had the first year that it was completely papers. And it was straight paperless. There was no paper at yeah. all involved. And I thought it was really difficult. Um, I think there's some level. I think it should be a blended. I don't ever think it should be one or the other. Because in life, you need both. Well, technology is, is useful and, and great, but I do think Trish is right for like yeah. processing. I noticed it even for myself, like you and I, we are, I'm a tactile person. Even if someone's talking to me, I have to write it down. I have to read it, see it. I can't hear it. And just that be enough for my processing. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to use a blend of two. So I think our local school, now that we're three years ahead and going back with our daughter um, in the system, they use a blend of both. And I think yeah. that that's a better. I mean, environmentally, it's a good idea, but right. I think our local school did it as like a ploy. Um, I, I I didn't feel like it was like the leadership at the time. I it didn't I get the sense it was like a hey, we're doing this. So it was like look at this razzmatazz we're doing here. Um, and it was like oh, like yeah, what's the logic behind this? Because I think that also students are going to learn different ways. There, I had it. I have it on a post-it note. So I think it's on my bulletin board, which is. I can't see at the moment um, that there is a logic behind like actually writing things down that when we hear something, you remember a certain amount of it. But as soon as you write it down, I think it like more than doubles your ability to remember. So when we do vocab, my students have to write the vocab word and the definition down old school. And then we digitize that. So for me, it is. Um, and I even did. um I know there are a number of notebooks out now that like allow you to even write notes and then there's an app and you can digitize them and um, you can like, then they can be organized somewhere. So like students carrying around 19 different notebooks and pieces of paper and they get lost and all this crap. I think there is a value to a digital notebook, but I do think that that hands-on piece is important. I think it's about like most things, it's really doing an audit of what's best for your students and what's best for their families and mm. doing that. I'll say even, you know, 
There, I have issues with schools that just send report cards home and progress reports digitally because not everyone has the ability, right? If you're, I have a number of students that were raised by grandparents that like, we, we, the school would just go, it's all in PowerSchool. And they're like, what the hell's PowerSchool? What's a login? Um, I have to have an email address. So they're like, oh, what's our, what's our Hotmail address? And they're trying to figure it out. So yeah. what we need to do as schools, I think, is, is really identify where Your our community, community is yeah. and then put things in place to help them. Mm. Um, so that's, you know. Uh, in the comments, Heidi said, she said, COVID made us use technology way too much with yes. the littles. She said, now we can only have them on one hour per day. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because yeah. well, real quick, and if you look at it, right, too many teachers I've seen, I've worked with, use technology as a crutch instead of a tool. It is a tool yes. to do something. It is not a website to plug your kids in and then you just get to not do something. So things like IXL, great platform, really, really useful. Um, however... Is it the be all end all? Like, no, because it's, it is, I'm, I can't plug my kids into Newzella yeah. and then just be like, done. It right. should be a tool that you're using to supplement other things that you're doing in class. Uh, just a side note, because I didn't know this, Chris Carson said that composition notebooks are completely recyclable. Oh. Yeah. Brilliant. Awesome. I Thanks, think you should keep, I tell them, I try and encourage my students to keep them for the rest of their lives. I'm like, you literally just journaled 180. And if you don't want, they're recyclable, so don't just throw it in the trash. We just put it in your <laughs> attic. No, don't do that. For Recycle it. Uh, okay. Nassim is up next asking, in my graduate class, my professor gave us one of your videos to watch. Gosh, we hear that a lot. Um, at, are you familiar with Donors Choose? Do you use it? Any ideas of networks we can post our junior Donors Choose? Also, how are you feeling and family since you, I know you all had COVID? So I didn't get COVID, Nassim, because I have incredible because no, you already had it because i already had it uh, <laughs> i had it last year um it, everyone's doing well um it was literally a cough you know it. it was my daughter we'd send my daughter back to public school after three years of not being there and what she come home with covid um so it was like we sent her back to the petri dish literally was, you know, one month so she got it then my son who never gets it he's like me never ever ever get sick Brody comes home. He's got COVID. Then um, my wife is like, I don't think I, I don't feel that well. And then <laughs> she's got COVID. It was just like one after another after another. So and then we got a bee infestation in our home, um, which was a whole nother nightmare. So everyone's doing much better. Uh, donors choose. I love um, because teachers, I can't stand that teachers have to spend their own money on anything. When a construction worker gets hired to do a job, they're not buying nails with their own money, right? When you when you like go to a restaurant, the 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 guy that's cooking your food isn't like, oh snap, we ran out of oregano. Hold on, I'll just run to the store and get my own, right? That doesn't happen. I feel like teaching's like the only job I can think of that the folks that are hired to do the work are also the folks that are paying for the stuff. So Donors Choose gives you that ability. My friend, Jen Jones, who if you don't follow Jen Jones, she is fantastic. Follow her on Instagram and everywhere else. Um, Jen Jones says that you should always have one or two Donors Choose at any given moment. 
you should always have one running because every once in a while you get like a Gates Foundation that comes in and just pays for all the donor's shoes. So we have two people in the comments saying that, yeah, they've had random, they said they've had success having their donor's shoes filled for randomly by strangers yep. who just want to. And then someone else said that um, they had someone gave my comic book literature class a class set of Amazon Fire tablets. Yeah. See? Awesome. Here's, but here's I would why. also say not only that with donor shoes is the Amazon wish list. We were just talking with um, our buddy this morning and he was saying that a company reached out to him and just said like, hey, do you know some educators? We want to like, like clear off a bunch of Amazon, Amazon wish list. Wish yeah. list. Yeah, that's what I said. You and have to have like, both. Yeah. Um, so they just dropped like four G's in one day to just buy. So there are a lot of companies having them. I don't think that you can post. I wouldn't post in any Facebook groups or any like social networks. You don't want to post in anybody else's network to like yeah. boost your own, but post on your social media. Yes. And you never know who's who's looking. It, because because look, here's here's the. The logic behind that. I wouldn't put. Do you have a. Oh, uh, Maisha said, um, check with your county before you create a donor's shoes. Oh. Maybe right, there's yeah. a thing. Maybe you should check with your school. Yeah, I mean, I work. When you work in the Wild West, no one pays attention to that stuff. <laughs> so I forget what the rest of the world has to navigate through sometimes. Um, I will say this that uh, here, here's why this is a good idea. Or it's not a good idea to teach, to post in teacher groups because teachers aren't buying stuff for other teachers. Right. They're already paying stuff for themselves. Right. Putting it out into the world is you're going to have a better ROI. Um, plus, here, and this is the last thing I want to say about this real quick, but it's important. I was once, and I've told this story a million times before, I was once um, building a community garden at my school. I went to teach my kids how to organic garden. So I went to Home Depot and I needed something. And I said, hey, like I, I this guy that you, I used to work with at, at Home Depot named Drew, Drew said, um, I told him what we were doing and he was like, oh, this is awesome. Well, like, how much is the whole project going to cost you? And I was like, well, here's my list of all my stuff that I need. He tallied up the cost. It was like two grand. He goes, dude, we're just going to pay for it. And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, we'll just pay for it. He said, we, Home Depot has money set aside for community giving, right? There's, It's already earmarked. But he's like, <clears throat> we don't know about people's needs most of the time. So we're just going to gift you all this stuff. And I got like multiple like nice DeWalt drills all high-end like fur lumber. Like I wasn't building with like pressure-treated lumber. So my kids weren't exposed. Well, pressure-treated lumber used to have arsenic in it. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> like the best dirt, all the seeds, all the stuff, like a composter, watering stuff, like everything we needed to create our little garden was paid for. And when I asked Drew, I said, dude, this is so nice. This is what Drew said for me to me. And I don't even think he's with Home Depot anymore. So I'll say it. He goes, Bro, this is how I figure it. I work for the evil empire. And if I have an opportunity to give back, I don't ever get that chance. So here's the thing. Nassim, many, many people in the world do not have an opportunity within their own occupation or within even their world to give back. That's why things like donors choose help, because it gives folks who don't otherwise have an opportunity or a means to give, like we get to give as educators an opportunity to do that. So just put it out there, put it out there, put it out there. And Keep what's the worst it. that happens? It doesn't, you spend an hour putting together your donor's shoes and it didn't get picked up. But if it does turn out and that $4,000 that you wanted for flexible seating in your classroom, someone buys it, bro, it's now it's, it was all worth it. So, yeah. Um. 
Oh, Chris Carson is saying that his so his Chris Carson's daughter is a first year teacher this year. And he said that she got a call from a local bank department that wanted to do something for an elementary teacher and bless the kids. They bought everything on the list and more. Yep. Awesome. It's like, go ask, go find it. You don't even have to wait for people. It's like literally call people local to you. And I think you just ask for donations. Okay. Can I say something real quick? It's a public shout out, right? Um, there are folks on here like Chris Carson, Maisha. Um, there's a number of other people. I'm not going to sit here and like, I don't, I don't want to forget someone. So I won't say all the other names that are in my mind, um, that show up every week to help us. They are like special helpers that are like in the comment section helping people out. Like John Lopez is one of these folks too. Folks that are on like different platforms, (laughs) kind of making sure no one gets lost in the sauce that are bringing our attention to things when needed. Um, and I just want to publicly thank you for showing up and for doing that work. It really, it means everything to us because we, we can't do this on our own. No, we like, can't. I don't know how people live feed even without a, without a not so secret wife. I know. Let me publicly shout you out. Oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> I don't need My any public shout. Thank you, though. Um, okay. Andrea is up next. She's over on Facebook and saying this is a two-parter. Oh, wait. That's part two. You jumped right to part I two. Did. You jumped right Dang to the it. sequel. We're, we're watching, you know, I'm that part right back all of a sudden. We don't even know what the hell's going on. Because I got... <laughs> okay. Hold on. All right. Right here. Part one. I am, un- I am unhappy with my co-teaching situation. Right I am there. the SPED teacher for four sections of math. Eight inclusion classes. My co-teacher, the gen ed teacher, lacks classroom management skills. We are not on the same page when it comes to managing behaviors. How can I work with him collaboratively to make things better? At what point do I get admin involved? Hold on. I got to scroll down a ways. Um, For example, he often spends 20 minutes on the bell ringer and in turn loses most of the class. Students are disengaged and off task before instruction even begins. He ignores students who make verbal outbursts or derogatory statements toward other peers. I have students telling me that they want to move to a different class because this class is too chaotic. I contact parents and write referrals. When students disrupt the class and use foul language, it's turning into a good cop, bad cop. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, Can we take that question now because I'm lost? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I, I have been in this scenario before where I've had like the world's worst co-teachers. So how do I deal with this? One, it is knowing that you want to try and hit one nail at a time. But what happens when you're not the lead teacher? Where does that fit her in? Okay, good. Hold on, baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump on the gun. (laughs) One, you pick one thing, right? It is the 20-minute bell ringer. So it is, hey, I'm noticing that the students are having a really hard time staying focused and on attention, right? So, um, like, I want to try and figure out some ways that we can help kids to stay focused in on the task at hand that we're doing right now. Um, And then see what they have to say about that. Then your solution is, so I think, all right, so here's one thing. I think the bell ringer shouldn't take more than ten, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever your, whatever you, you, you know, your class, you know how long your kids need. This is how long this should take. And then use a timer, right? Like I literally set time. I talk about this all the time. I set timers, whether they are public and they're up on the board or they're private, just so I know. Um, and I've used timers forever. I used to literally use a stopwatch on my watch on my phone. Cause I, I move at such a pace. I would have a hard time like 
waiting for student responses. And I not until I talked to someone about this that talked to me about things like auditory um, processing issues that students have and things of that nature, where it just took kids a bit longer to process, to think, to to like calibrate what I was asking and then form a response. I literally would time myself because I because I thought I was waiting this much time because, you know, whenever that was disgusting, I was spit. Um, <laughs> Good thing. When you wait, I know. There you go. 200th episode um, where I felt like I was waiting this much time for students response and I was really doing this. So I thought I was waiting 20 seconds or whatever. And it was like, dude, that was like seven seconds and that's not enough time. So in just keeping the timer, it might be a really good reminder to your co-teacher of like, oh, like that's the appropriate amount of time um, so that things are moving along at a faster clip. Uh, noticing things like outbursts, saying, hey, you know, what I've been noticing lately. Um, we really I think we could really look at our our community building community in class. And I'm noticing that there are a number of students that are creating like outbursts to other students saying derogatory things and, and things of that nature. Um, what can we do about that? And then I, then what I would do when I, when I would have this happen, I go, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about this. And then I let's talk about it like tomorrow or whatever and come up with some plans, but I already know what I want to do. And then I come back and I go, Oh, here's an idea. I think this is how we should handle this particular situation. So then you are identifying things you are shining a light on them and you're coming back with a plan. And what I learned that even with really difficult co-teachers, one of two things happened. Either they were like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Like we handle like three things and they're like, this is working so much better. We're working so much better. I'm less stressed. Like class is moving and flowing and just going better. Or it really holds a light up to their inability to run a class. And then that becomes a different conversation. Then it's like administration has to get called in. I have done it before. I had a co-teacher once that was so bad. Um, I got so frustrated because he was just, because the, the, the moment that it happened was we had come up with this plan. He was going to take over vocab, right? So he was going to do all the, like, these are the words for the week. Um, you're going to do the review every day. You're going to do the assessment at the end of the week. That's your only thing you have to do. You have literally five to 10 minutes of class every day to teach. And that's it. He would fall asleep in the back of class. And then before that first assessment, he was, I mean, my man was knocked out. Yo, Mr. Simmons, I need you. Yo, Mr. Simmons. Hey man. Um, and then the kids are yelling at him and stuff. You have to get, you have your, the vocab test ready. Simmons wakes up. Yo, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And he goes to the front of the class. All right, everybody, take out a piece of paper. Um, all right, first word. Um, and then you would just say something like, I don't know, like uh, one that wasn't even a vocab. Daunting. <laughs> write the write the definition down. What? I'm sorry. We're in we're in a collusion. Like we're we're dealing with students with like pretty severe language and reading skills. Um like or deficits like that was your assessment and the kids were like it was just like he just made it up i got so pissed i remember i walked out and i went to the director of curriculum's office and i, I said think i mr. will simmons not work with this was there individual. for the health insurance mr simmons did not last much longer at my school but um it was it was it was 
putting my foot down because it's impeding <laughs> student growth and success. Right. Yeah, I'm not here. Absolutely. I'm not like, so I'm all about the difficult conversation, but I think there's a way to navigate that on the front end. So you can make it seem like, oh, we're working together and we're handling this. Now, look, if you're my wife, you're just going to go in and be like, look, you're, you're letting too much stuff go by. You're just you're you're losing the class. You're not like, going to say it nicely. You're just going to say it. You're going to yeah. rip the bandaid off. So I, but I think that <laughs> for me, I have found that for me. That's a better way to navigate. No, and look, especially if they're a first year teacher, like, and you've got a few years under your belt, you're the senior teacher in reality, like yeah. in experience, then yeah, you do have to like give them time and space for growth and you can really help yeah. that. But the other thing I would say is you can, you know, send them a video of ours <laughs> or bring them to the group. But yeah, I you bought know. you a free mentoring session with Reynolds. Do you want to share? Um, I don't, maybe she doesn't want to share her safe space. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I think the, the one other thing is, are there sections of the class that you can take over where you're in charge of the bell ringer? You're in charge of something so that he has to finish what he's doing because you're in charge next. And then you crush it on what you're doing. And that's going to really hold a mirror up to what some others are doing in a good way, right? We're not trying to shame people, but we are trying to point out the fact that students are not learning and growing like they could be um, and that we're missing the boat on this and that we have to yeah. fix it. Um, let's We're over time, but let's end on oh, uh, one sorry. more question. I know that went fast. Uh, Jacob is up next asking, I have previous students who have stopped by my class to say hi, and I feel bad, but I've forgotten some of their names. It's been four years since I've seen them. Any advice for when this happens? Uh, Jacob, this is part of the reason I call everyone dude and buddy. My man, what's up? I'm so glad to see you back, bro. Thanks so much for coming in, man. I Gosh, I love you being in here. Like, it just means the world to me. And then... That's how I communicate with students. You will find that after hundreds, if not thousands of students that you have, like not even the kids that you've just taught, but kids that you just knew that were in someone else's class, it is impossible. And the older kids get, the kids will come back and they're not kids anymore. They're like grown people. And so when you see someone again and you're like, they remember you or, you know, you're out somewhere, you're like at a restaurant or you're, um, Remember this happened the other day for Marley's birthday. We went to the Hard Rock uh, Cafe in Philly and I knew I knew that one oh, server and you were and like, I could. And I saw him look at me and I was like, oh, he knows who I am, too. And then it becomes a moment of like, yo, Reynolds, what's up, man? I'm like, my man, what's up, buddy? And so I just that's how I get around. it. Do you ever say like just to be honest and say like, yeah, I, sometimes say I, that go, I, I go, listening? I go, I swear I remember you. I even remember where you sat. Yeah. Right. Um. And, it's hard with names. That's I, a lot of names. And, you know, I tell in a way I get around it that's just always funny is, um, look, I'm old. I can't remember any of these <laughs> names. My, where my, I make my own children wear name tags sometimes. I just find Stop. some kind of funny way around it so that I don't get stuck. But um, I, I also, Jacob, am just not good with names, which is a large reason that I have so many nicknames for my students. Because um, by the third or fourth time I say your name, if I can't remember it, it start, I don't want to make you feel bad because I can't remember what your name is, but it's just not a strong suit of mine. And I find that kids love nicknames. I'll tell you what, too. I remember nicknames more than I remember real names. So there'll be kids that come in and I say their nickname and that always cracks them up. Um, or I'll go, what did I call you? Wait, it's right there. What did I used to call you when you were in school? And then that's a good um, jump off point, too. 
Adam, welcome popped in here. Look at Just that. Adam, I was talking about you in the beginning there, buddy. Um, it is, again, so Adam welcomes on here. Again, gang, it is so much about who you're around and who you're doing life with um, that will help you get to the next level. So look, um, I want to give away some stuff real quick. Oh, gosh. Um, so here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, I am going to pick people at... Can I do this? Is this a good idea? I'm going to... So there's that... I use a website where I can just take names from the comment section. Oh, yeah. That's um, the auto... The random so number generator. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just type into the comments where you're beaming in from. Um, like state, city, where part of the country, part of the world, wherever you're beaming in from. Um, and I'm going to take from... Uh, because I realize that not everyone asks a question. I want to be able to give stuff away. So we're going to give away two copies of my book. This will be your, your entry point. Off. So just put in where you're from. That'll be your entry point, And we'll pick yeah. from that. So it's only for people who are here live. Yes. So two copies of the book. Um, and that can be on any platform. When you're on the platform, it's all the comments come through anyway. So it doesn't, yep. it doesn't have to be just YouTube. Two copies of Teacher Class Off. And I want to give away... Um, a bunch of, uh, I have a bunch of Expo. I don't know where they are right We have a ton of teacher supplies. A ton of Expo marker packs, like packs with the erasers and all that stuff. And I want to give away um, a gift card. I want to give away a gift card that can help you to bless your students, bless your classroom, um, do something nice for in your classroom that is like uh, like $25 gift card. I think we have- Are cheap? What are you going bigger? How about a 50 at $50 least? $50 gift card, right? All right, so there we go. It's gosh, inflation. I mean, gosh, the price of things are <clears throat> so is. expensive Facts. anymore. Facts $25 is giving you nothing. So $50 gift card to someone as well um, that will help you in your classroom uh, to be the teacher that you're called to be. So that's what we want to do. It's our 200th episode. Look, we couldn't do all this stuff without all... Like, we wouldn't be doing episodes if no one showed up. So thank you so much to everyone who shows up every week or just shows up when they need it. Please consider sharing this with your school, with your friends, with your co-teacher that might need a little bit of help and they can show up and maybe get some uh, real-world professional development. Um, last thing I'm going to talk about real quick, on Wednesday, we are going to have sign-up start for our next workshop. It is around student engagement. This is by we far... see all of your posts in the Facebook group that are struggling yes. with student engagement. And when asked, folks were like, this is the thing we need now. So we're going to do a live workshop. It'll also be recorded. So if you can't be for the live, you can just purchase it and do the recording. That will go. Um, the ability to sign up for that will start Wednesday. And um, we'll have it on all of our social media so you can sign up for that. But student engagement is our next big one. Um, and we just want to like do a real deep dive into how you can take those kids that aren't paying attention, that refuse to do work, that... Um, have no interest in school, even though you worked so hard to come up with the greatest lesson in the world. And then everyone just doesn't really care. We're going to help you to help those students to engage um, so that you can teach your class off. But that's it, gang. Um, thank you so much. Anything uh, else? Nassim is asking a very important question. When are you going to when are you going to pick winners and all of that? And let people so know. I will pick winners. I How about we announce them next Sunday? It'll be the first thing we do. OK. Um, and then, because uh, I need to get addresses and stuff for people, so we'll announce them in the very beginning of next week, episode 201, and then those folks can reach out, send us uh, an email with their contact information and stuff. All right. So, that's planning on the spot right there for you. That's how we do it. Thanks, Nassim. <laughs> um, all right, gang. Is that it, wife? 
Yes. Radical. Have a great week, everybody. Yes. We'll see you next week.